This is the greatest hour to follow Jesus. Take your Bibles to Psalm 91. Now, how many of you grew up praying this psalm? How many of your parents confessed this? How many, how many of you say Psalm 91 has been a part of your life? Anybody here? Okay. Well, I think that what the Lord's given me is really going to help you. This is a very consistent point of prayer for me, this psalm. And I think it's a word for our city and for us as a people, a Jesus image, for our school, for our Sunday nights, for us as family, this is a word. I have been praying for a long time that the tangible, manifest glory of the Holy Spirit would cover us, fill us, and that heaven and earth would so get collide that heaven's activity would become ours. Through lifted hearts, that as our hearts go up, heaven comes down and the two collide. Isn't that wonderful? Paul said, he said, I, I love this. He said that I press on toward the upward call of God. I said this three weeks ago. Moving forward with God means that you have to be pulled up. Your heart has to be lifted. That is the only way forward with God. Forward is up. That doesn't make sense to us down here. The reason that is the case is because the Lord is a jealous lover and he is jealous, the Father says, of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of you. He is jealous of the Spirit. In other words, he wants the Holy Spirit. He eagerly awaits the Spirit's return to heaven one day. And then you're carrying the Holy Spirit. So the Bible says, or Paul says, I should say, in the Scriptures I press on toward the upward call. The reason the upward call is important is because a heart that is lifted is never stuck and weighed down with stuff that doesn't matter. When I say it doesn't matter, there are certain things in life that we should never worry about. There are certain things in life that Jesus said we don't have to beg for. There are certain things in life that we have to go get, like Bill says. I love how Bill says it. Everything Bill says is just about incredible. But Bill says it like this. He says, everything you need, he will give you. But everything you're dreaming about, you may have to go ahead and get it. You may have to go get it. That will cost you a lot. But when the heart is lifted, you're not worried about where your rent check is coming from. You're not worried about what people think of you. You're not worried about food. You're not worried about clothing. You're not worried about shelter. Because Jesus said, if the Lord did it for the sparrow, would he not do it for you? How much more valuable than a sparrow are you? The scripture says that the Lord's thoughts toward you are as numerous as the grains of sand on the seashore, and they are good. Isn't it amazing how we just brush over verses like that? You know, like... Childlikeness won't allow you to brush over something like that. It just won't allow you. The Lord will literally wreck you with one verse for a month if you let him. The Lord is saying here that God's thoughts toward you are more than every grain of sand on every beach, under every lawn, under every jungle, Every desert, God's thoughts are more towards you and they are good. That's how much God thinks about you. Isn't that amazing? And they're all good thoughts. None of them are bad thoughts. So I've been believing for tangible glory that will come as these worship meetings begin to resemble and reflect worship meetings in heaven and there are worship meetings in heaven the book of revelation talks about these beautiful worship meetings in heaven and they are all centered on the lamb that one missed they're all centered on the lamb not your favorite worship group the worship services that are eternal in heaven 
are focused on the Lamb who is in the midst of the throne. <laughs> Let me say it again. There's a throne, and in the midst of the throne is a lamb. And because there is a lamb in heaven, there is no need for sun or a moon. And there is no need for a tabernacle because the lamb is the light. And we dwell in and around the lamb. Every time the seraphs and living creatures declare who that lamb is, the 24 elders take their reward, which is their crown, throw it down on the ground, and begin to worship the Lord. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. That's why we scream that in our hearts. That's why our hearts are crying out to the lamb. This is the season of the lamb. It's the season of lambs. People are screaming again, Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. <laughs> I forgot the offering again. <laughs> ah. We're taking one, don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. Some of you have gotten possessed by the cheap devil. That's not godliness. Do you, know, do you know God gave the Son as an offering in faith before we loved Him? Do you know the Father gave the Son as a tithe, as first fruits, before one person was saved? That's why we never allow our financial conditions when they're dark around us to determine our offering. The Father gave Jesus before there was one convert. We give to the Lord before there's a breakthrough. That's how the breakthrough comes. How I'm going to go here, especially you missionaries, you guys in the ministry. Some of you bought the lie. You bought the lie that because you're in the ministry and you're a missionary, that you're just supposed to be poor for the rest of your life. Well, we should have had you guys go pay for that stadium down at the Seine. That's expensive. It's like 1.6 million dollars. We had to believe God for. It. You know how it came? We started giving by faith. By faith. The whole collab, all of us, the C-Fan, Todd, Circuit Riders, Andy, uh, who, who am I missing, babe? Dunamis, Lou. We, uh, that, the, re, the way we got the money to get the stadium is we started giving. And it's the nature of the Lord. He's a giver. He's a giver. All right, I'm going to stop there and we'll talk about that in a minute. Tangible glory. Look at verse 1. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Let's read that together. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Okay. Who does the secret place belong to? Say the Most High. It is called the secret place of the Most High. It's His realm. He owns it. It's His domain. And He has invited us to dwell there, not frequent it. Now, you can confess the, the 91st Psalm all you want. And claim all of its promises. But if you do not live verses 1, or really verse 1, you don't receive it. The entirety of Psalm 91 is a conditional psalm. And this is the condition. He who dwells in the secret place. This, the promises of this psalm do not belong to the person who shows up there once a week. I know, I mean, I, look, I know, love on me, will you? Look, look, look how they're being. See how, see what I have to deal with? No, I love you. Look, but this is true. This is true. All of the beautiful promises in this psalm, like, no plague shall come nigh my dwelling. Like, a thousand may fall at my, my right hand, and what, my left hand, a thousand at my right. None shall come near me. Those are promises. 
Those promises hinge on a condition. Dwelling in secret with God. Probably the most common excuse that comes my way when it comes to asking people whether or not they spend time with Jesus, this is the excuse when, they, when, when it's not happening. I don't do that. I'm always with Jesus. Anybody heard that one? I'm always with the Lord. I don't need to pray. I abide. Some of you might have a tattoo that says abide. I don't know. You might even have one of Eric's shirts that say that. Because you own one of Eric's shirts, it doesn't mean that you abide. Abiding is a fruit of dwelling. He who dwells in the secret place shall abide. So John 15 speaks of abiding in the vine. And Jesus says this, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will bear much fruit. Isn't that beautiful? And he says, whatever you ask for, I will do it. Why, why, why? How do you get to the place of knowing that whatever you ask for, God will do? It's very simple. When the words of Jesus abide in you and you abide in him, he so processes your thoughts, your mind, that you're asking for the stuff that God wants you to have. And you ask for it all the time, so he always gives it to you. It's because your mind has been renewed. You cannot experience the renewed mind outside of the abiding life. It is impossible. But you cannot abide unless you dwell in secret. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide. And the invitation is beautiful because it's not our secret place. It's his. It's the secret place of the Most High. It's his house. Secrecy is God's domain. (laughs) I love your eyes right now. Jesus said, Jesus said, when you pray, don't be like the Pharisees. (laughs) You didn't really get along with him too too well, did he? Jesus wasn't always the the guy who put kids on his lap and petted them. Oh, bless you. He wasn't always like that. He went into a Pharisee's house and he goes, you know what? He just started rebuking him. You have to be like super bold to rebuke someone in their own house. Just started pasting him in his own place. And the guy invited him over to eat. And she's like, you know what? While I'm at it, bang, he just unloads on the guy. That's the Lord too. That's the Lord too, right? So Jesus says, don't pray like them. When they pray, they want people to watch them pray. They want to take the money from widows. They like to give, and they want people to watch them give. And Jesus says, I tell you the truth, they've received their reward. He didn't say they don't have a reward. He said they've received it. What was it? People's attention. (laughs) Hurrah, see how far that gets you. Jesus is like, hey, by the way, boys, yeah, you'll get a reward for that, the applause of people, but you won't get my father's. So Jesus begins to attack and put the scope on a life that lives before people so that they can get people's approval and not the Father's. And it's a plague. It's a plague today in the church, and we call it influence. It's not influence. It's idolatry. You don't have to beg for influence if God anoints you. You don't have to. God will make certain. The Bible says your gift will make room for you. You don't have to go after all that stuff and sell out. And even in the name of unity, like people are like, well... I want to bridge the gap between me and those people or me and this movement. I'm all for that, but I can tell you this. I'm not coming off healing the sick to make friends with somebody. That's not happening. They're not my stripes. You see, I didn't give my back at the whipping post. Jesus did. I lost my rights when I made him Lord. Didn't I lose my rights? I mean, isn't that what the word means? Like he actually bought me? He's not my homeboy. He's my sidekick. He bought me. He owns me. Jesus owns me. He gave his back, his ribs were showing, his kidneys were showing. He was completely flayed wide open. 
I don't have the right to say no. If me saying no to the sick gives me a better shot at being your friend, then our friendship will just have to wait because Jesus bought my life. And so you capitulate and you begin to trade in and all of these transactions take place and before you know it, the glory's gone. I don't want to lose the glory. No way. For what? For what? So Jesus says, don't be like them. Everything they do is geared toward man's approval. He says this, but you, when you pray, say me. Say, when I pray. He said, you, when you pray, go into your room. How many of you have a room? How many of you don't? Let's try to make one. There's a, I mean, back in the old days, they would have a hoodie, an old school hoodie called a prayer shawl, and they'd pull that thing over and go to work outside. So Jesus, did you know that? That's what they did with the prayer shawl. Many of them could go in the secret place, take the prayer shawl, and you didn't know that? Now you do. All right. So they would do that. They, 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 they would go into secret. That's what David did when he lost everything at Ziglag. The Bible says he called for the ephod, wrapped himself, and went into agreement with the Lord's word over his life, and the Bible says he recovered double. Love that. So Jesus said, when you pray, go into your room. Step one, you go in your room. Your room is not, your room is not your favorite meeting. And I'm so glad you're here. This might not even be your favorite meeting. I hope it is, but that's not your room. Your room is your room. You say, I don't have a bedroom. I'm make a room. Go into a tree. Go climb a tree. Go outside. That's what I, I mean, where do I pray, babe? We put four or five of us in a, in a hotel. We don't, you know, I mean, we don't have like gazillions of dollars. Sometimes we're all packed into one room. Morning comes. Where am I going to pray, Lord? They're all sprawled out. I go in the bathroom. You say, is there carpet on the floor at, at the Hampton Inn? No. It's tile. It's cold. Yeah. I put towels down, lay them down, double them up, put one for my head, double up the other ones. I'm ready to roll. Sit against the door, have my Bible. The cold tile keeps you awake. It's really hard to fall asleep. It's wonderful. You say, what do you do with the, with the, with, with, with the crying kids? I just take the shower and turn it on. It drowns them out. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to rumble. Like, I'm game. Do you follow me? If you want to pray, you'll pray. So Jesus says, you go in your room and close the door. How many of your, room have, how many of your rooms have doors? All right, we can work with that. Take the doorknob and sh- actually shut it. Isn't it beautiful to see how like, normal and basic Jesus can be at times? He said, okay, here's what you're going to do. You're not going to pray out on the street corner so that everyone can hear you. You're not going to prostitute intimacy before people. My followers are going to go into their room, and here's what they're going to do. Grab the doorknob and shut it. We can all do that. He says, and when you shut the door... Pray to your father who lives in secret. Whoa. So you shut the door, just you and the Lord, not you, your cell phone and the Lord. Oh, that felt good. (laughs) Not you and Instagram and the Lord. The Lord's not a cheap genie that just appears to you while you're giving him 40% of your attention. That's not what he's like. You don't get to rub the bottle on him and go do something for you. No, no. That's not Jesus. You go in your room and you pray to your, say, my father, who is in secret. He lives in secret. So the abode of God is a place called the secret place. Now here's a question. Anybody know what the secret place is made out of? You got it. Secrets. Secrets. The secret place is constructed, let's just say, with cinder blocks of many secrets that are exchanged between you and the Lord. (laughs) Not everything he tells you should end up on Twitter. (laughs) 
You got to get clearance from the command center. You say, why is that important? Every time I take a secret and give it away, I remove a cinder block from that realm of secrecy and I become exposed. I put a hole in the wall of my secrecy. My secret place becomes vulnerable and weak. And I become exposed. Good, huh? Yeah. So Jesus said, pray to your father. Say, I have a father who lives in a place called the secret place. And so Jesus said this. He said, and your father who dwells in secret, he will reward you openly. I want you to look at the context here. Jesus is saying, these guys, the religious, they are longing for an open reward. They want to be rewarded openly. But they want man to reward them openly with man's little applause. You are so spiritual. You are amazing. And so Jesus says, that's their reward. But you're going to do things the opposite. You're not going to long for the open reward. You're going to long for the Father who's in secret. And you're going to build an abode called the secret place. And just so you know, when you speak to the Father who lives there in secret, He'll sneak up on you and reward you in front of people when you're least expecting it. How will He reward you? With Him. With Him. When? I have no clue. I love it. Bill calls him Jehovah's Sneaky. How will he reward you? Maybe with some deaf ears opening. Maybe, maybe not even like the miraculous. Maybe not, not, not a full-blown healing. Maybe he will reward you. You're just walking down the beach, and all of a sudden his presence comes. You weren't expecting it. You were just listening to J- Jessica on, her, on the podcast. <laughs> you, you're just out there doing your thing, walking along, and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I feel the presence of God. And your next hour is caught up in tears and in joy, thanking Him. Maybe it comes through a prophetic word. Maybe you get blasted and commissioned by somebody who carries what you want. I can only tell you this, God will reward you openly. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So number one, we are not talking about frequenting as a tourist a life of secrecy. If you want Psalm 91, you have to live there. It has to become your, your home, like your life. Your life. You say, what does that look like? That looks like you making it number one. Benny and I, little Benny and I were talking today, and I, 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 I said this to him. I would encourage all of you dads to do this, and I'm just learning to be more vulnerable and authentic with my kids. I said, Benny, how could I be a better dad? And, and we talked about it, and I said, Emma, I want to know, like, are you happy? Are you happy with, with me as a dad? And he goes, oh, yeah, which made me feel amazing. And I, he goes, do you know what I love about you? He goes, we know you love us, but we just know you love Jesus more. He goes, and then he, and then, and then, and then he after he made me laugh, because he's so funny sometimes, he goes, but, but, but I understand that the reason you love us so much is because you love Jesus. It's like it makes sense. So it's got to be number one. Now, Jesse and I have about, we try, a weekly date night. We, we try to make time for all that, but I wouldn't be a good date if I, my heart weren't full of God. I'd be grumpy and sour, wanting to argue. How many of you don't like yourself when you're out of the presence? All right, I'm not the only one. Anyone here tell their spouse to go back into prayer until they come out a little different? All right, Jesse does it all the time. 
<laughs> She'll be like, oh my God, go back in. Go back in. You have to make it number one. Or say, why? How many of you believe in tithing? Some, how many of you don't? That's <laughs> funny. Not every hand went up, but nobody, nobody raised it on the second question. <laughs> Let me help you with this. Tithing is not law. Tithing is pre-law. Tithing is love. Tithing is a spiritual love principle. And this is the principle behind it. If, if the first is redeemed, if the first is given over in sacrifice, the whole lot is redeemed. So if God wants the tithe of our money, which, by the way, the tithe is not a tenth. The tithe is a first tenth. That's way different. So you might be giving a tenth, but you may not be tithing. The only way it's considered a tithe if it's the first tenth. Let's say you had ten one-dollar bills. Which one do you give to God? The first one that goes out. You understand? So back in those days when, the, when a lamb was born, that shepherd knew, I'm giving this lamb to God. Whether he had one, what do you call a, do you call him a litter? What do you even call him? A flock, sorry. But when they're born, are they still a flock? I don't know. Anyways. Whether you get eight or one lamb, the first one goes to God. So it's in your thought process I don't know how many are coming out, but this first one is going to the Lord. The Lord expects the same of our time. Now, I'm not making this law. This is love. A loving heart longs to give the Lord the first fruit of its time. When I give the Lord the first of my time, He sanctifies and makes holy the entire day. The whole day is better. Now, all of us have tried to just pray, you know, well, I'm going to pray at 2 in the afternoon, and 2 comes around, and you're like, well, I'm going to pray at 6, and 6 comes around, and you're tired, and then you're, you know, you can't pray, and then you wake up the next day, and you, you didn't pray. So the Lord's very wise. He knows, he knows what's best for us. So when I give the Lord the first of my day, the entire day receives the blessing of the Lord, which, by the way, is why... The early church picked Sunday to worship. They wanted their week to begin with a first fruit of worship. So first, firsts are a principle of God, and they forever will be. If you're going to dwell in the secret place, you have to learn to give the Lord first. First in order, I believe. It's the pattern of Jesus. He prayed in the morning. I'm not saying you're in sin if you're not. I'm saying that these are beautiful spiritual principles that you can tap into. Jesus prayed in the morning before the sun came up. Moses prayed in the morning when he went up Sinai. The list goes on and on. David said, early will I seek thee. Okay, so some of the greatest, I mean, David was known as a man after God's own heart. We still talk about David today. God loved him so much, he called his, his son the son of David. And Jesus will sit on the throne of David. I think we should listen to them. The Bible calls Moses the meekest man to ever live. Jesus is God Almighty. How many of you think they're good examples? Right? They all had morning prayer lives. Now, does that come for free? No. And technically, technically... The morning actually begins in the evening, to make it more confusing. That's what Genesis teaches. That when the evening came, it was the first day. So how do I, how do I live a life of morning prayer? I don't stay up till two in the morning. I, I, you follow me? It's going to be hard to get up early enough to get everything in that day if I'm watching Netflix till two in the morning. Now, Michael Miller sent me a text to pass right up a room before I came he said, bro, I feel like God's going to give you a message to heal the hearts of leaders, a message to people, and people are going to buy on that they can trust what's coming out of your mouth. I believe this is one of them. 
This message, this type of teaching will preserve your life and bring a blessing your way. That's what the secret place looks like. The secret place will kill and murder performance. Because, like, there's nobody in there to perform for. You know, like, there's nobody in there just to get, like, approval from or to call you by your title. The Lord's not going to call you pastor. He's not. He's he's never going to call you pastor or apostle or prophet. He's going to call you your name. And, and, And that's where you learn the presence of God. That's how I learned the presence of God. I learned the presence of God all alone, in secret. You, you say, what do you mean? How did you learn it? My, my spiritual senses began to turn on. I realized that at times God wanted a song. At times he didn't. You say, did he do it all in the same order? No. Not one day went by where my time alone with the Lord was the same. It'll never be the same. So what's the gauge? What's the barometer? What's the thermostat? The thermostat is his presence. You learn to sense his presence. What, you learn what to value. Sometimes he comes like fire. Well, a childlike thought would be this. I'm going to keep doing what I was doing until the fire stops burning. And so you learn, oh, you want that right now. You want a song. I'll sing you the song. You feel his presence come on you and fill you? Sometimes it's peace. Sometimes it's just peace. Sometimes everything that's holding us down, all the burdens, the stuff, the pressure, things people say, things people think about us, the pain of being misunderstood, all of this stuff weighs on you. And Now you're with Jesus and it doesn't seem to exist. Stay there until it's taken its full work. Stay there. And you learn. You learn that every time I come in, I am to be thankful I will always come through his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. So I learn, oh Lord, I'm coming in today. And then your, your vocabulary changes. You know what he starts to do? He starts to shoot and, and assassinate religion. He kills religion in the secret place. Because you can say something like this, hallelujah. And the Lord goes, you didn't mean that one. And then your, your, your Pentecostal upbringing, all the lingo with no substance, it gets exposed. You know, like if you grew up word of faith, maybe, and I ask you how you're doing, you'll say, I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm like, dude, you're not, though. You're like hooked on porn. What do you mean? How are you blessed and highly favored? What do you mean? You're losing your marriage. How are you? What are you talking about? You see, in, the, like, in revival, your words actually match your heart. And that, that's what brings tears to your eyes. You don't, nothing is just happening in revival. It's like, oh my gosh, there's truth taking place in me. I'm more authentic here in the glory than, than I am in a religious setting. I actually mean praise ye the Lord when I say hallelujah. And that's where we were when we all got born again. Remember those days when you first got born again? Every time you read something, you start crying. Everything in the Bible. Even the stuff you didn't get. You're like, this is amazing. You sang as the deer like a hundred times in a day, put it on repeat. Do you know what I mean? We're supposed to live there and even increase. The secret place begins to target stuff. And something takes place in us. It's this, spirit and truth. Because Jesus said, they that one day... One day, we will not worship only in a location. One day, we will worship the Father who is spirit, in spirit and truth. What does that mean? The more truthful I become, the more of the spirit I experience. And the spirit makes me more truthful. More truthful. I, my words actually flow from a real heart. So when I go, thank, you know, sometimes you can, you can go into a certain setting and you go, thank you, Jesus. You're like, that dude's not thankful. He's not thankful at all. Praise God. You're like that? First of all, saying praise God is not necessarily praising God. (laughs) You missed that. Saying praise the Lord is not necessarily a praise to the Lord. Nah, whatever. You missed that one. 
Praising the Lord sounds, you are holy, you are mighty, you are majestic, you are pure, you are kind, you are long-suffering, you're the victor, you're the lamb, you're the king, you're risen and you're wounded all at the same time. You're ascended and you're coming home. You're a servant king who's, who can wash feet. That's what praise sounds like. So we get programmed, you know. You get programmed and all of a sudden you're stuck and you're robotic. Man, when you can start answering each other's questions, you got a problem on your hands. What do I mean by that? If you know what the guy's going to answer when you ask him before you even get it out of your mouth, we've got a problem. There's a lack of authenticity. There's a lack of truth in the heart. If you're jacked up, I would rather you, if I say, how are you doing? I'd rather you say, I'm jacked up than you say, I'm blessed and highly favored if you're not blessed and highly favored. <laughs> I already go, dude, I just I smoked an ounce of weed yesterday. I can work with that. But Jesus said, man, don't be like them. Don't be like them who have the language without the experience. Don't be like them who've become spiritual robots who have the verbiage but not the warmth in the heart. Are you hearing me? Don't be like them who can offer sacrifice and not even look at the Lord while they're doing it. You can become so blinded in that robotic system They're like the priests, the Pharisees. You can hang scriptures in little boxes over your head and have them hanging off the hem of your garment. And all of a sudden, the person who the scriptures speak of stand in front of you and you want to kill him. That's what religion will do. Literally, the one who the scriptures spoke of, they're hanging in front of their eyes on their garments and off their sleeves. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, the scriptures speak of me. And they say, we're going to kill you. It's crazy. That's what religion will do. But the secret place kills that. It kills that. Because in the secret place, you learn how to bring the Lord and keep him there. And that's the Christian life. You learn how to get him into a moment and keep him there. And he might go, oh, I want you to dance for me. You're like, in here? All alone. You like go up, check the door again, make sure it's locked. <laughs> you see, that's where he starts to chip away at dignity. It's the secret place. Can you give me five more? Okay. <laughs> I'm doing it. No, I'm not. Okay. Listen. But, but you know what? You know why I feel, I feel that God is wanting to cover, to cover us with the canopy of his glory. That it becomes our home. That it becomes our home. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Who owns the secret place? Say the Most High. It's his domain. Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. If there is a shadow on you, that means he is above you. You're like, yeah, I knew that. It should excite us. If there's a shadow covering me, that means he has become my covering. And that becomes my abiding realm, the place I live. And it's the place where heaven is more real to me than my environment. So like Jesus, if I'm sleeping during a storm, because I'm so peaceful, I can get up and just speak peace to the storm. Now my world becomes constantly what I first experienced in secret comes to my world and without knowing it starts to drip out of me I'm abiding in under the shadow of the most high this is the place where miracles by accident start to happen this is the place where a woman touches the hem of your garment and you get healed it's right here it's in that place and notice Jesus had just been on the mountain the night before when he cast the demon out of the boy because the disciples couldn't, and Jesus rebuked him. He's like, what, are you kidding me? You can't cast out a devil? Like, this is entry level. What do you mean? 
How long do I have to deal with you? He says to them, what do you mean? You can't, you can't get a devil out? This is easy. He goes, fine, I'll just, come here. And he takes care of it. Why? He had just been transfigured on the mountain. He was bathed in glory, bathed in power. Jesus lived this kind of life, so committed to the secret place, that now God, the abiding life, became his world wherever he went, 24-7. If you want to abide, you have to dwell. You have to dwell. And if you're going to dwell somewhere, you have to commit to it. You don't have to strive when you get in, but you will fight the devils of hell to live a life of opening the door and closing it. The devil is more afraid, I love this saying, of one person who learns how to pray than a hundred who know how to preach. Of course. Of course, because when you are alone with the Lord... He begins to deposit himself into you, and now you actually preach him. You're not, you, do you know you can actually take people's sermons and preach them now? It's wild. You can actually download other preachers' sermons and just preach them all year. And I'm talking about as a pastor. You can do that. So I'm taking their bread, and who knows where they got it from, and it's just regurgitated, and then I can Now, I'm not knocking us preaching each other's stuff. I am saying this. We've got to get before heaven and eat living bread. Have some, you need to have not just something to say. We need to have someone to say. The person of Jesus should jump out of us. He who dwells in the secret place shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. This is not an average shadow. <laughs> this is the shadow of the Almighty. This is the shadow of the all-sufficient one. This is the shadow of the one who opens deaf ears. It's his shadow. We're not talking about just this average shadow. He is almighty, all-sufficient. Your every need is in the shadow. Listen, everything you need is found in his presence. Everything, because he is his presence. Now verse 2, and I'm going to end here. I will say of the Lord... He is my refuge. Softly help me. No, no, don't, don't help me. Don't help me. Sorry. <laughs> he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. What's David saying here? Until I dwell and until I abide, I have nothing to say. Charles Spurgeon said, if you have no Christ in your sermon, sir, go home and don't come back until you find a real one. I didn't say that. Spurgeon said it. But I do like it. I do like it. It's a good one, right? It's pretty good. He's like, look, if you're not preaching Jesus, go home and don't come back and preach again until you are preaching Jesus. I will say of the Lord, as I dwell, I learn to abide, and now I can talk about Jesus. I have someone to talk about. Why? He's all around me. I'm not talking about a distant Savior. I know he's right there. I feel him. I know he hears me. I hear him. We've got something going on in this shadow. And if you walk through it, you'll have something going on too. That's ministry. This canopy comes over us because we've been dwelling all alone Now we're entrusted with this abiding life, and now I speak. I will say of the Lord, not of Michael. I've been so processed while being alone with God, the last thing I want to talk about is me. That's what this is saying. I'll say of the Lord. You know, you take 10 people, and they go spend time with Jesus. Put them all in 10 rooms in a cabin somewhere up in the mountains, say Moravian Falls, They all meet Jesus. They all get rocked. They all have encounters. They will all come out talking about Jesus. You encounter him, you talk about him. What else is there to talk about? (laughs) I I can tell you this. If, If you, any of the friends who speak into this environment, who you guys all love, whether it's the Sen guys or whatever, all of our crew at our events, we talk about Jesus. That's, that's what we do. Like that's, that's, he's the source of our fellowship, and he's the subject and the topic. 
The moment I stop talking about them, there could be a dwelling issue. Because from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Man, you give me someone who's just always talking about the Lord, even if they annoy you, even if they annoy you, it's a good thing. I will say of the Lord, He's my refuge and my fortress. Now listen. This is what they say of the Lord. They say, I hide in Him, and He fights for me. Hold on. Listen. Until He's become a refuge to you, that you hide in, you will never know Him as a fortress that you can fight from. Because the Lord takes the weak. Help me, help me, David. The Lord takes the weak who run and hide in his presence. He actually loves that. The Lord loves hearts that say, in my own ability, I cannot heal myself. I can't set myself free. I have nothing to do but hide in you. And I learned to hide in him as a refuge. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. And I hide in this refuge. I found that glory to be like a bulletproof dome around me. I mean, the criticism, the, the, the gossip, the, the pointed stuff that comes your way, the betrayal. All of a sudden, you start to, 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 to go and hide. And all of a sudden, that becomes a bulletproof dome. And the favor of God begins to shine around you. And your enemies crumble in the light of what God is doing. Your enemies are not people. They're demons. But they crumble. They can't, they can't stop the destiny of God on your life. You're the only one who can screw it up. And while the devil comes your way and goes, I want you to fight me today. You say, no, I'm, I'm good. I have a refuge. I have a refuge. I don't need to bind and loose right now. I'll just hide. I'll just hide. And the Bible says this. The Bible says, A wise man foreseeth danger and hideth himself. What does that sound like? Something comes at you. You feel something's off. You know it's from darkness. The devil himself wants you to go to war and fight him. Fight him. He would hate for you to finally realize that he is already defeated. You'll win 90% of your battles by going, I'm good today. You know what? No, I think I'll just worship Jesus instead. You're way too ugly to look at. I'm good. You're disgusting, and you hide in a refuge. You learn to hide. All of the sudden, as you've hidden in a holy hospital called a refuge, where it's safe, and you be, your mourning now is, it, it's, it becomes... It becomes a source of comforting because the Bible says, Blessed are they who mourn, for you shall be comforted. Now the wounds in you, the brokenness, all the mourning, the sadness, you're in this refuge-like hospital, and now the Lord begins to heal you. He begins to heal you. And all of a sudden, that dumb devil comes to your family. But now you've been healed. Now you have a fortress to fight from. You're not fighting exposed. Now the Lord is... Not just your refuge, but a fortress for you to take cities for God. For you to take nations for God. God, listen, listen. God does not use qualified people. That's not the way God gets the most glory. He can. God uses hungry, weak people who learn to hide in His presence. Who, who learn that God is their ministry. And they go, oh, Jesus, you like that song? I'll sing it again. And they pull in his heartstring. You like that chord? I'll play that again. You like that note, Lord? I'll sing it again. And you learn the presence of God. And the Lord rewards you by going, here's some of me. And you become a warrior. Here's the deal. You'll see so many victories in your life and all you did was hide <laughs> so crazy but they're like what do you do you're like 
Same thing I did last year. People ask me all the time, how how is this happening at Jesus Image? I don't know. We just spend time with the Lord. Like, what, what's the secret? Just spend time with the Lord. Well, well I mean, yeah, yeah, but, but, but I know that. But, I mean, you know what I mean. I'm like, I, I don't know what you mean, man. No, I, I really don't. I don't know what you mean. You're like, I know, but what about the miracles? Like, I mean, what did Benny teach you? Some, like, secret recipe? There's a secret like song set or like a certain pad that you could play to get. No, there wasn't any of that. Just spend time with Jesus. Oh, how did God restore like your family? I mean, how do you have favor? How do you meet people? How do you? How does God entrust you? I'm speaking to you now. How, how, how does God entrust you with leaders and you know, just spend time with Jesus? How can you be happy in the midst of that? You spend time with Jesus. How can you smile when you need half a million dollars in three days? You spend time with Jesus. You just. Can you give me another answer? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't have another answer. I, I don't, I don't have an answer. I don't, I don't have another answer. I think sometimes we have so many answers, it robs God of glory. I, I, I'm a weak vessel who feels everything you feel, who by the grace of God has learned to run and hide in a refuge. And the Lord knows in my heart, I'd rather be in a cabin with my Bible and a pellet gun. <laughs> than on most platforms. And sometimes, when you stop caring about something, that's when God will entrust you with it. Caring is the wrong word. When, when something of the Lord stops occupying chunks of your thought life and Jesus himself begins to occupy it the Lord goes now I can trust you you can have it it's wonderful it's all in his presence spend time with Jesus what else should I do I don't know you can do some other stuff too when you're done but spend time with the Lord to get daily teaching from Michael and to follow our event schedule around the world Please follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to the Jesus Image TV YouTube channel as well. By partnering with Jesus Image, you will help us take the saving and healing power of Jesus to the world. Your giving changes lives forever. For more information, please visit us online at JesusImage.tv or write us at Jesus Image, P.O. Box 950640, Lake Mary, Florida, 32795. Thank you for your prayers and financial support. Jesus is the answer for every life, everywhere.